Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet voice and security services. Smithville. Local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today's our, one of our favorite shows of the year, The Gardening Show. Woohoo! <laughs> it is Mary Catherine's favorite show, for sure. We are, we are welcoming back... A retired co-owner of May's Greenhouse, Helen May, who she's been our gardening correspondent for some time. And we're welcoming a new guest today, Bloomington Valley Nursery Store Manager Don Adamson. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can submit your questions online to wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. And you can also follow us on Twitter, follow at Noon Edition. And uh, I, I would suggest you get your questions in early because things get kind of wild near the end of the gardening program. That's right. All right. I get my first question. You go ahead. I, it's the uh, my wife has a question question because I'm not the gardener in the family. We have uh, – we've just moved into a new house. I was telling you some of the stories and we're – we downsized, but our backyard sort of slopes down, and in this rain we've been getting, we have some low areas that seem to gather a lot of water. I mean, at, short of just filling all those in, are there, there some things we could plant down there that might might actually still thrive? Helen? Is it sunny, or are you it's got sunny. trees down yeah, there? It's sunny down there. Yeah, there are a lot of, there are a lot of plants that do well in uh, somewhat moist or wet situations if it doesn't just stay flooded all the time. Also, you could you might get you or have your wife, since she's a gardener, <laughs> uh, go to the library and get her a book on rain gardens. Okay. And that that is a way of keeping some of the moisture on your property instead of having it flash off and flood someplace else. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, Don, what trees will withstand... Uh, a lot of water if they want trees of some kinds. I know that dogwood wouldn't do. Mm-mm. Right, but uh, bald cypress mm-hmm. or, or there's several of the bush willows or mm-hmm. things like that that would work in that situation. But, yeah, mm-hmm. and and uh, there's uh, there's some shrubs um, that uh, will withstand a fair amount of water too. I'm not too sure exactly right. what, but I was thinking maybe are some of the... the uh, Shrub dogwoods. That they can they can take quite a bit. Even uh, a lot of the viburnums can. Yeah, and it. viburnums are my among my favorites. So. Uh, yeah, they're, 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 they're one nice of the best. All right, we'll probably see them both of you here and, in the next week or so. so. And there are I mean, tons wanna, of perennials and things that. Excuse uh, me, but you want to make sure you're not getting uh, a lot of runoff in there that's going to wash things away. So look at your drainage right. for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. We'll do that. All right. We've already had an email come in from Jody. And Jody says, I would like to know what types of grapes for eating, not for winemaking, grow well in Bloomington. Well, I know that Concord is the old standby. Mm-hmm. It's very vigorous and uh, will bear under even somewhat difficult conditions. There's a seedless form of that also. I'm familiar with a variety called um, uh, <laughs> I can't think of its name. Uh, Mars, yeah, I believe is a seedless one. A very good place to find out about grapes, there is a, a uh, company called Miller's. And I'm sure if you just went on to the internet and, and you know, and did millersnursery.com or whatever you mm. wanted to do, uh, that they would send you a very nice catalog that lists, I think they must list almost two dozen varieties of grapes, including wine grapes as well as eating grapes. Uh, now, the Concords are not great for just sitting down and eating because the skins are very tough and they have seeds, but they are the grape that's usually made into the jelly that you buy. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
commercially. Now, Helen, when you order something out of a catalog like that, um, do they have people on staff that you can call and say, I live in southern Indiana? What, you know, what do you recommend? Some of them do. And usually you can find that somewhere in the catalog, uh, you know, mm-hmm. or just call them up and ask them. Usually there will be somebody there who can help you. Another place to get information would be on uh, uh, wine grapes. I'm sure the Oliver's folks would just be thrilled to help you. And the uh, county extension agent could probably get you some material mm-hmm. also. Okay. We should acknowledge that Bill and Kathleen Oliver were the agricultural family of the year. Farm family. Farm family of the year. Yeah, that's right. And congratulations to them. That's right. All right, we have a phone call. Donna's on the line. Donna? Hi. um, I just moved into a home that has a water garden, and I've never taken care of one before. And I'm having a real hard time with the string algae. And I wondered what you would recommend. My dogs drink the water out of the pond, so I don't want to put any chemicals in it. But I wonder what you would recommend to try to control that string algae. Well, it's generally worse in the spring and the fall when the weather's a little cooler. And during hot weather, very often it will sort of disappear. Um, Too much nutrients in the water will encourage it. If you're feeding your goldfish or something too often, cut way back on that. There's not any fish in the pond. No fish in the Um, pond. Just a few frogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can you can buy a what is it, a, Donna, a bacterial culture of some kind that's it's perfectly safe for people or dogs or anything that you right could there, put in. I don't. That's not in my field, but uh, there are a number of different uh, products that can be used that are quite safe now. Yeah, uh, I would say. Uh, Almost anybody who installs ponds would have it in stock. Most garden centers and nurseries uh, carry. It is the one we use, and I can't remember the name because my sister does it. <laughs> but, um, we have all the, the different things yeah. in stock and people there that could help. It, that just yes. happens to be something that I'm not familiar with. Are you putting any fish in the pond, or, or will they over? I don't want them to overpopulate. How big is your pond? Uh, about four to five feet round, I'd say. I'm not sure how deep, couple, several feet deep with a little, it has a air, it has a pump and a waterfall. Okay. So it is aerated. Well, you could keep a few fish in there, but they, if conditions are good, they will propagate. Um, if, uh, if the pond is not 28 to 30 inches deep at least, they will not survive the winter and you will have to take them out in the fall. Um, you can get mos- what's called a mosquito dunk. It's like a little mm-hmm. donut. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a uh, bacillus thuringiensis israelianus <laughs> or something like that in it. Which attacks mosquito larvae. So, uh, but I that, don't think that's recommended if you have pets. I've, I I use those in my fountain, and they say eh, not for pets. Not not if you have pets. Yeah. Well, if your dog's drinking out of it, then that's probably not a good idea. Um, your best bet would be a few fish. Okay. Um, yeah, I've heard mixed things about putting the fish in there that they can help control the algae, and then other people have told me not to put them in there because they'll just you know, breed, and there'll be too many of them, and that'll even cause a worse problem. So well, I'm a little you, confused about that. Got a barbecue? <laughs> <laughs> you, you could go to a pet store and get a, just two or three guppies or something. They will stay in there through the summer and breed, and when the weather gets cold, they will die off. Uh, that way you will never have a, an overpopulation problem, and they will keep the mosquitoes down. I have to say, we, we had a small water garden, and we had a few fish in it, and they, I don't know, they didn't propagate, and they stayed in there through the winter because it was deep enough, and it just didn't seem to be a problem. It's got a few. Well, it depends somewhat. Now, if it's a very open pond without a lot of vegetation for the young ones to hide in, the adults will probably eat most of them. So maybe that was what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I don't know much about this. But there are chemicals that do not hurt the fish also that can take care of the algae. Okay, well thank you very much. All right, Donna, thanks a lot for the call. Eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. 
our uh, web address, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, and follow us at Noon Edition on Twitter. Don, you're new to the show. I'd love to learn a little bit more about your background. Can you tell us how you came to be an expert nurseryman? Well, I've been in, I was in the business for 42 years, uh, owning Bloomington Valley Nursery, and just two years ago I sold it. And, but I'm still working with it. I'm still having fun with it. And, uh, and hopefully I'm helpful to the new owners also. But uh, that's been my livelihood for 45 years. And even prior to that, my father was in landscaping business. My grandfather was in landscaping. So it kind of gets in your blood. You and, come by it honestly then. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't, I, I don't want to be impolite and ask Helen exactly how many years she was in the, in the greenhouse business. But let's just say that we have – so much experience in this room uh, for any, any of your questions that you might have. So please feel free to give us a call. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about this spring. It's been, uh, to me, it seems like a, kind of a typical Indiana spring. It's stayed cool. We haven't had that situation where you flip the switch and it goes from winter to summer. So how's that going to affect our gardening plans? I think everything's going to come into bloom almost at once. We had such cold weather that slowed uh, a lot of the shrubs and trees down, and uh, I'm expecting it to be beautiful as soon as this cold weather goes away Mm -hmm. because uh, I think everything's going to pop into bloom as soon as it warms up, and it's going to be gorgeous. Uh, So often the flowering time is kind of strung out from the end of March uh, up to almost the end of uh, the end of April, but mm-hmm. uh, this year we had had they're just now starting to come into bloom. Yeah, and so I think I think it's going to be a great great spring if, if that warmer temperature ever gets here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're waiting on that, aren't we? Helen, did you want to comment on that? No, I was I was just going to say uh, this cool weather that things that are blooming are just lasting and lasting and lasting. Mm-hmm. So it is, I think, going to be a gorgeous spring. Yeah. All right. We have a call. Let's see. Steve is on the line. Steve? Yeah, I received an Easter lily as a gift. Now, is that something that I can keep alive? Can I plant that in my yard? Will it winter over here? Uh, yes. It may not uh, last forever. Uh, we may eventually get a really rough winter that will take it out. But normally, if you plant one, you get several years of bloom out of it, yes. Uh, the lily is like a nice loamy soil that drains well and uh, fairly even moisture. Uh, And the Easter lilies will not bloom at Easter in the future. They'll bloom later in the spring, what, around June or July, uh, June maybe. Because they're a lot slower in coming up. Mm -hmm. Those have been forced to flower at this time. Yeah. Full sun? Full sun or light or partial shade, but not full shade. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks for your Thanks. question. Thanks, Steve. Uh, go ahead and give us a call, 855 811 877 285 9348, WFIU.org slash Noon Edition, and follow us at Noon Edition on Twitter. Again, we're talking with uh, Helen May, uh, former, well, retired co owner of <laughs> May's Greenhouse, and uh, Bloomington Valley Nursery store manager and former owner, Don Adamson. Now, this is going to seem a little strange, but I was on the county website today, the GIS website, and I was looking at my property, and I noticed that it listed a soil type. It was uh, three letters, and I don't know, of course, what that means, what the three letters mean, um, but I do kind of remember from my Master Gardener class that, you know, they have a very specific meaning. Is, is that information of any use to the gardener? Yeah, I don't know what you're referring to, the three letters. It was like, oh, I should have written it down, like GRM or something when it said soil type. Because most of our soil type is considered as a loam. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I'm not sure what that would be. Okay. There are uh, a lot of soil types. Mm-hmm. You can get a book and look, you know, and you get, you get uh, sand or you get sandy loam, which also has uh, some clay and organic material mm-hmm. mixed in it. And you can swing clear across to the other extreme and have nothing but clay. And a lot of people, if they dig deep here, will come to clay. Uh, a loam is a mixture of of uh, granular material like sand or something and humus, which is decayed plant material, 
and clay, and that is the ideal growing material for our soil for most garden plants. There are exceptions, but but that's the best for most. Uh, generally, a bed that's been cultivated for several years will be loam. But again, if you go deep or into a, a new housing addition where the top's all been scraped that's off. That's what I was going to say. A lot uh, of times will, it's on top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You will find clay, which tends to be quite sticky. Mm-hmm. And right. And when it, go ahead. And, and it causes lots of problems because of, of holding so much moisture. So uh, if you have clay, you must be careful of the plant materials that you use because uh, uh, many of those do not like the clay or a tight soil. Mm-hmm. All right. We have a phone call, and uh, this call comes from Rich. Rich? Hi. Hey, go ahead. Thanks. Uh, last fall, I planted a wheat cover crop on my vegetable garden, and I'm wondering how to kill it. Um, I mowed it off as close as I could, and that didn't do it. It grew right back. And I could till it, but it keeps being too wet to do that. And I'm worried that by the time I can get in and do that, it won't decay enough in the soil to be able to plant vegetables. Do you have any suggestions? Well, I think I think often they just plan on rototilling it in, but uh, rather than trying to kill it, uh, the glycosate. Uh, chemicals can be used to to spray on it if it's growing and will not hurt your soil. Right, but it's organic, so I don't want to use chemicals. Well, in that case, you just need to keep mowing till it gets uh, dry enough that you can till it in. And then till it in, okay. Yes. What about um, doing like lasagna, putting um, newspaper over it to smother it? You could do that. Uh-huh. Do you know how long it might uh, take to mo- kill it that way? It'll depend a little bit on temperature and uh, moisture, but if you will mow it down first and cover it with a thick coating of newspaper, it should pretty well kill it out within two, three weeks at the most. You could even put a layer of black plastic over the newspaper. That'll speed it up. Oh, okay. This is when I was going to suggest you buy a new newspaper every day. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, we subscribe, oh, thank so I've you, got Rich. plenty of newspapers. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Anything All else, right. Rich? No. Thank All you very much. All right. Thanks a lot for the call. 855-0811-877-285-9348, slash Noon Edition and at Noon Edition on Twitter. Okay, and here's an email that came in. It says, we need to redo our strawberry patch this year. The plants are five or six years old, and the patch was overrun by weeds last season. Are there any starts we can buy that will allow allow us to harvest some strawberries this year? I've read that we should not harvest during the first year. When should the starts be planted? Thanks. And that's from Luann. They should be planted as soon as the soil is in good condition. The earlier you can plant, the better. If you want berries this year, the reason for not picking early uh, the first season is so the plants will develop a lot of runners and make you a full bed faster. And and what you do is you pinch off the blooms so they don't bear. But if you want to let them bear, they will bear some the first year, and it won't really hurt them too much because you know how strawberries run. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or you could buy an ever-bearer pinch off the first round of blooms and harvest in the fall, probably. Mm-hmm. Now, do they, I'm kind of confused by this. Do, do strawberry plants have uh, a certain lifespan? Do they just bear for five or six years and then die out? Or well, What happens, they usually just get so thick and eventually so hard to weed that they get weed infested. Uh-huh. They may get diseased. Uh, generally, you'll have, you know, brown or burn-looking leaves and maybe mildew and various things, in which case you should clean it all out and start with new berries, preferably in another piece of soil. Mm -hmm. But if your patch is in good condition but has just gotten hopelessly weedy, you can dig out some of the younger plants and reset them if you want to. Because of the way strawberries... Plants send out those runners and and do tend to fill in a space relatively quickly. Do people ever use those as ground cover? Oh, yes. 
they, they make a lovely ground cover and they can be used in a sunny location like that as ground cover, even in a uh, decorative shrub bed. So kind of an edible ground cover. I that like is, it. That is correct. They're All right. I may nice go that thing. route. That sounds good. <laughs> All right. We're going back to the phones now. Betty's on the line. Betty? Oh, hi. Um, I have a question about uh, some arborvita uh, trees that we have in our yard. Um, Oh, gosh, and a few of them. The bottom, maybe third of the branches seem to be um, perhaps dead or dying. Well, uh, that sounds like a deer problem. Do you have deer coming into your lawn? Because often uh, during the winter, the deer eat off the bottom third of the plants, and they look like they've kind of been trimmed. And uh, that's as results of deer eating up as far as they can reach. And this year they, they did that a lot. So we're having a lot of people uh, question that very thing. Will uh, those um, branches um, come back? To, will they uh, come back in any way? Or? Yes, you, you need to fertilize the plants uh-huh. at this time. And uh, this can cause them to put on enough new growth. And it'll, it'll take them some time to, to overgrow that completely. But fertilize them at this time of year and they will, they will fill that back in. Okay, well, that's good news. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Betty. Thanks for the call. Here we go. Another email that came in. It asks, do you know of a nursery where you can get blueberry plants mature enough to produce blueberries in one or two seasons? Most places I found only have small plants, which take three years before getting berries. And that's from Robert. And he says, thanks. Some of the blueberries will even produce as small plants. We had them in like a gallon and a half pot, and they had blueberry, a few blueberries on them at the nursery. So uh, some varieties do not have to get real large, but uh, most nurseries do not carry the larger sizes of the blueberries because they do develop rather quickly. Okay. And here's another one that came in. It says, where can I buy rhubarb starts? Mmm, rhubarb pie. Um, Also, the single plant I have did not do well. What, if anything, can I do to improve its yield? Thank you. Uh, Most nurseries this time of year carry rhubarb. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also buy it from catalogs. Well, you're getting a little late there. Um, And at the farmer's market, you will find some uh, on Saturdays. Uh, Now, as for the one that's not doing well, if it's been in several years, it may be time that it was dug up and divided and reset. It may have sort of exhausted itself and the soil that it's growing in. Uh, This should be done, what, Don? Long in the fall, shouldn't it? Sometime August or September sometime. Not not this time of year when it's growing actively. Um, Is that when you would typically plant rhubarb too? Oh, you can plant it anytime you can find it in a pot or as a dormant root. Um, It needs pretty good drainage and good soil. And you might try fertilizing this one Mm-hmm. fairly well this summer to uh, get some new growth. If you do dig it up and divide it, try to take sections from the outer edge of the plant, which are younger, and they'll probably do better than the old inner core of the plant when you divide up. And just chop it up with a knife. Anything that's got a bud on it and some roots should grow. And full sun for rhubarb? Ideally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We've hit us. I hope that goes well because if it does, she can invite us over for rhubarb pie. <laughs> and strawberry. Rhubarb strawberry. strawberry yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have any more? Nope. Okay. We've hit a quick lull in the action. So we're going to take our, our break. We hope that you'll uh, come back and join us with all your gardening questions. We have Helen May and Don Adamson here today. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website 
WFIU.org. On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 7.45. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we are having our annual spring gardening show today. So if you want to call us, uh, you can phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can join us online, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition or on Twitter. Follow us at Noon Edition. I should uh, tell you that Helen May is here uh, as she usually is, joining us with all of her wit and wisdom. And we've also gotten her some help today with uh, Bloomington Valley Nursery Store Manager and former owner Don Adamson. So please uh, give us a call. I want to ask a quick Bradford Pear question because I, you know, I see them flowering every spring and I think they are so beautiful. And I just, I just wonder you know, why we don't all have them. So I mean, are there certain areas where they really grow well? Well, they're they're one of the trees that grows in most any climate or, or most any soil, I should say. But uh, anymore, the Bradford is kind of a thing of the past because everyone planted those, and then after they got so old, we found out that they weren't durable. Uh, however, there are newer varieties that are used now. Uh, I know Aristocrat is used a lot in Cleveland Select, which are much better varieties than the Bradford, and they don't have the problem of breakage. But they're still a good tree. I know a lot of people got a bad taste of the pears because uh, they broke down so uh, so bad in mm-hmm. people's lawns. But uh, we do have new varieties that uh, that are a good tree yet. Okay. They sure are beautiful. Yeah, they're, uh, that, that catches everyone's eye because it's always the first one to come into bloom. Yep, yep. That's always an encouraging moment when you see those. Well, I have another tree question, um, varieties. We were – my family and I went for a walk last weekend and we were looking at the the pink magnolias mm-hmm. that are in bloom. But um, our kids live in Louisville and they were saying that they have trees that look like magnolias. They have the traditional kind of leathery leaf. Right. There, there are many different – kinds of magnolias. In fact, there are several new varieties that have been developed in the last few years. Uh, The pink one, which is commonly called the saucer or the Salangiana magnolia, is one of the early ones. And the star, which has a white flower, is another early one. Now, we have one called Jane that's a darker color flower that it's just now coming into bloom. So often it's not damaged as much by the freeze. Mm -hmm. And then we have some summer bloomers. Uh, Some people are familiar with the uh, large southern magnolia that grows in the southern states. But we have one of those that is hardy for our climate now called Edith Bogue. And uh, we have those for sale. It's a good variety. They've done really well for us. Uh, It's a southern magnolia, so it still has the uh, leaves on throughout the winter, has the large white flowers in the summer, and uh, is hardy for our climate. Now I'm going to have to find room in my yard for one of those. That sounds, sounds fantastic. Good. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. We uh, we do sell out of those most most years because they're they're very popular and people are are not familiar with the southern magnolia growing in our climate. And there are other varieties too. I know we we use a lot of the sweet bay, which is another <laughs> summer bloomer. Okay. All well, right. Thank you. I- Phones are ringing off the hook. Our, uh, <laughs> our producer's going crazy in there trying to keep up with all the phone calls. Our first call is Mark. Mark? Hello, is this Mark? Gone. Bert? Yes. Bert. Oh, sorry. I Hi, mis- misunderstood. Go ahead. Hi. I have a question. I have a, and this is kind of a more of a houseplant question, I guess. It's a, I have a large jade plant with about two feet by three feet tall, and it's rather old, but Every winter when I have it inside, it becomes infected with what look like aphids on it. And the only thing I've found is to bring it outside in the summer, and it seems to perk right back up. But is there something I could do that would keep it um, you know, healthy during the year, during the winter? I would try using a systemic insecticide in the soil of the pot and do uh-huh. that 
You don't want to do that. <laughs> no, 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 that sounds good. No, no, actually, uh, I was thinking, ah, that's a great solution because I, I really can't wipe all the leaves. Yeah. Well, do that in the summer while it looks relatively clean, mm-hmm. you know, late in the summer before you bring it in, a few weeks before you bring it in. Mm-hmm. And um, then you can uh, apply it again later if you need to. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bert. All right. Thanks a lot for the call, Bert. And we have Molly next. Molly? Hello. Hi. Hello? Yeah, go right ahead. Hi. I have started an herb garden this spring, and they're not doing so well. Um, I sprouted. I have a bunch of seedlings that are thriving, but as soon as I transfer them to larger pots, they start um, withering away. Um, how, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe I'm putting too many seedlings in a pot. It's possible. Okay. Newly transplanted uh, plants shouldn't be kept. You need to water them well when they're transplanted in, but then uh-huh. don't keep them too wet thereafter. Oh, okay. Uh, and don't transplant them from a, a seed flat into a huge pot to begin with. They should go in like a three-inch pot or something mm-hmm. and then can be moved up later. Handle them by the leaves instead of the stems because it's easy to damage the stems. Okay. And don't over-fertilize until they, uh, wait till they've been in a week or so before you start feeding them. Okay. I've been doing everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. All right, Molly. Thanks a lot for the call. And we have Elspa next. Hello. Hi. Go right ahead. Hello. Uh, I have a question regarding raspberries, and I want to know why should... Uh, one should not plant red raspberries within 100 feet of black raspberries. That's my question, and I'll hang up now. Okay. Uh, it's because uh, the red raspberries carry viruses and so forth, which don't harm them, but will infect the black raspberries. Mm. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's the reason you need to keep them well separated. All right. Well, interesting. I didn't know that. Who knew? Yeah. Don didn't know either. I didn't know that either. (laughs) All right. We have a fourth caller that was waiting, and it's Robin. Robin? Hi. um, I have a question that started with my begonias last summer, and they seem to have had a brown circular spot. Sometimes it's a brown circular spot, and it seems to spread or it gets on several leaves, and then they will fall off and die. And sometimes the perfectly healthy leaves will just shrivel up along the edges and turn brown and kind of it'll be the biggest leaf on there. Or, and they will, the edges will dry up and they will fall off. And now it seemed to, I think, be on some of the other plants in the house, on a tree and on a philodendron, just a brown circular spot. And maybe in the middle of the leaf sometime. And I wasn't sure if it was a fungus or if there's anything, a virus, or if those two things were related at all. It's a little difficult to tell. If it's attacking more than one type of plant, Uh it may be something to do with growing conditions. Okay. Uh, What you should do, because I don't think either Don or I are real experts on houseplants... We have a, a, a very nice lady named Sheila who works in our houseplant house okay. who is extremely knowledgeable. You should take some of these leaves in a plastic bag or something and show them to her, and okay. she will probably quest, ask you about your, your watering, uh, how you do it, and uh, uh, what fertilizer you use and that sort of thing. So okay. you might have that in mind. But she'll be happy to help you with those things. It may be uh, something called botrytis, which is a fungus disease, mm-hmm. uh, it might be some other problem. So you probably should speak to her okay. and and take a leaf of everything that's that's bothered. Okay, I will do that. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot for the call, Robin. 855-0811-877-285-9348. If you're outside of the Bloomington calling area, you can uh, find us at wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can find us on Twitter at noon edition. All right, Don, let's talk about lawns. Just, just, I'm all about biodiversity, but, you know, at some point, <laughs> I, I like to have bluegrass a little more represented than it is in our yard at this point right now. At, at, now, at some point... 
do you just give up and till it in and start over, or or what do you? How do you handle somebody's yard when it's you know there are cat patches of nothing and and then patches of you know clover and you name it. Well, first you need to try to figure why it's getting spots like that. In other words, often we have a problem people trying to grow grass where it's too shady. Mm-hmm. And uh, even the shade grass needs some sun. So uh, sometimes people are better off if it's too shady uh, using a vining ground cover like myrtle or something like that. But in the regular lawn, uh, now would be a good time to do seeding if you have if no uh, crabgrass pre-emergence has been put down that is normally the first application for if you have a service that comes and maintains your lawn the, normally the first application would be crabgrass pre-emergent and fertilizer and once that is done you cannot do any seeding but uh, prior to that you can do seeding and then you must not put that down for uh, until your new grass is up and growing mm-hmm. to the second mowing. Mm-hmm. But uh, the spots are often caused, like I say, by shade, or if you have broadleafed weeds, uh, they will cause spots too. And uh, spraying for the broadleafed weeds is probably the best way to control those. But again, if you have done any seeding, that cannot be done until the, the new grass has been mowed. Okay. All right. We appreciate all the emails that have come in. We're going to go to the phone first, and then we'll get to all those emails. So Dan is on the phone. Dan? Hello. Hi, Dan. I took out two large arborvitaes in front of my house because they were getting too big, and I, they were kind of a unique uh, type, and I can't find it. They're, the new growth is yellow, and I don't know what they're called or how to find replacements. There are several different uh, gold arborvita. Uh, many of them were purchased, uh, a lot of the uh, discount stores in this will have more of the golden arborvita than than many of the nurseries. Uh, we do have uh, a couple of varieties, but they're not the bright gold color of, of arborvita. Usually, are, if, are they called gold arborvita, or what are they called? Well, we have uh, s- some different ones. One's called Saybrook. And then uh, there's a new one that I, I tormented them, and I said it looked like it was dead because <laughs> it, it had, a, had a pale gold color. But uh, uh, many people used to purchase one called a, a golden arborvita that's not really available anymore. I see. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Dan. All right, here's a message that came in from Pam. It says, I live in Bloomington, and I want to put in a vegetable garden about 5 by 12 feet. Oh, man, that sounds like a lot of work. All right, however, my ground is very hard to dig, and my ground is often wet. How can I work and amend the soil to solve this problem, or do I have to put in a raised bed? What would you recommend? It depends on how wet it is and how long it stays wet. If it's really a wet place that's poorly drained, a raised bed would work better. If it just stays wet a little longer in the spring, you're just going to have to wait till it dries off before you work it. If you're going to work the bed itself, you could hire someone to till it if you want to. You could kill the grass off of it with either newspaper mulches or Roundup, which is quite a safe herbicide to use. Um, if you you would need to dig in it and see what kind of soil is there if you're going to grow right on the existing soil, you may find that it is very clay or full of gravel. And in that case, you may have to add an awful lot of organic material. A raised bed for a garden of that size might be easier in the long run. Um, if, it's, if it's into that clay soil, it's really difficult, and the vegetables don't like the wet and the wet feet at mm-hmm. all. So... Like Helen said, it may be necessary to raise it up and add a lot of compost and such to it. Let's talk about a raised bed. Exactly how does that work? I know that they, you know, a lot of people use uh, lumber to build a, a frame. And then what? Well, basically you uh, build it up to whatever height you think you need. You've got a minimum of, what, eight inches, Don? Yeah, you really need at least a foot of, of good soil yeah. so that it drains 
and uh, because all the veg- the vegetables just don't like the clay soil, so you need to. So where do you get the good stuff? Well, the, the the nurseries will have good topsoil that can be mixed. I know we mix our topsoil that we get out of Indianapolis often with compost to to make a good mix that will drain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you sell that in bulk, or how does that? Right, uh-huh. we have it available. We have a sandy loam soil that we get out of Indianapolis, and and also we have uh, compost in in bulk that can be mixed. To, to make a good soil for a vegetable garden. Oh, okay. So uh, fill it up then and, and uh, with that sort of a mixture and right. you're free to then just go ahead right ahead and plant your vegetables? Yeah, you may want to wait just a little while and because it will settle quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And you may find you need to add more soil. Uh, however, fill it just right up to the top of the rim the first time around. Maybe mound it a little. Yeah, maybe mounding uh, a little because it will settle definitely. And when it does firm up a little bit after a rain or two, I would say that uh, if it's the correct time of year to plant something, just go right ahead and plant. Sounds great. All uh, right. Very thorough answer. All right. We have a phone call, so we'll go to the phone, and then we'll get back to email. Ann, go ahead. Uh, yes. My question is, for this part of Indiana, is there an evergreen shrub that tolerates both shade and a moist-to-wet soil? Mm, not real. Did you, were you thinking of a large-type evergreen? Uh, well, something that might grow to four, four feet. Because most of the evergreens don't like wet soil. Mm. And especially, it seems like the ones that that can take part shade. Mm. Uh, the holly can take part shade, but they don't like wet soil. Uh, That's a, a shrub that will get to about four feet. Uh, of the and then junipers can tolerate more wet soil, but can't take the shade. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, a difficult situation. <laughs> Deciduous or flowering type shrubs are much more durable in that situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Than, than evergreens. Uh-huh. They're more tolerant of the adverse conditions. Okay. Okay, thank you. Well, I, I think probably the only way she could grow a real evergreen in a situation like that, <laughs> again, is with a raised bed. Yes, that's a, that's, yeah. a real, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Um, one of our callers has very kindly recommended that we visit Keith Uradell, U-R-A-D-E-L-L, at the farmer's market for buying blueberry plants. Maybe Keith has some a little farther along, so that's a great suggestion. Thank, thank you for that. And here's uh, something else that has come in. It says, I have a lot of the dark evergreen ground cover, Euonymus coloratus, in my yard. I would like to get rid of it because it climbs up the trees, covers everything, and smothers my other plants. What is the best way of doing so? I have the, my 12-year-old boys go out and hack it off the trees. They like to do that. Um, and I will loan them out, by the way. I understand <laughs> that it can't just be pulled out of the ground because when it breaks, it makes new shoots. That is one of the very hardest to get rid of because normally we use the Roundup or glyphosate uh, to get rid of plants like that. And that does not do a good job on euonymus. It laughs. Yes. <laughs> uh, what you, it needs to be sprayed on just as it's growing. And it will take several sprayings, but you can uh, uh, you can usually eventually get rid of it. But spray it on now while it's, it has new growth on. But it, uh, I don't know of any other way other than spraying with that and then pulling it out later. Now, Helen knows about my ongoing battle with poison ivy on, on the west side of my house. It's really gotten ugly at times over the years. But it, and she, you recommended, Helen, that some stump killer... Would that be effective for this issue too? Brush killer, yeah. Brush killer, if it's where you won't hit anything desirable because it will kill anything it hits. Oh. So, and you don't want to get it on the bark of your trees, which you can with uh, Roundup. It won't harm a thick barked tree. Um, Euonymus has been used, and it's a very useful plant, but you should never, ever, ever plant it where it can get loose into a woods or something Mm -hmm. because it can be very invasive. It's a non-native species. Yes, Uh yes. And uh, while it can be quite beautiful in some situations, it is really a rank grower once it's established. I think the best bet would be to spray it while it's got new foliage, like Don said, and then you might try, if you've got one of those big 
bushwhacker mowers, try cutting it back later in the year, and when it makes another round of new growth, hit it again. Right. You just kind of have to keep after it. And as Helen indicated, the cutting it back will cause it to put on more new growth, and that can help to take in more of the chemical, and we'll uh-huh. do, it, do it in a little quicker. Okay. All right. Great advice. Thank All right. you. I'm going to offer our phone numbers again because this is about our six-minute warning. So if you've got questions that you've been thinking about calling in, you should uh, please go ahead and call them to 855 885 and follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Okay, here we go. My property adjoins a wooded area, Bill writes. I would like to plant evergreens along the property line and need to plant something that would grow tall and grow in shade. Would white pines be all right? If not, do you have another suggestion? Probably the best tall evergreen for shade would be hemlock. And uh, we mentioned earlier that some evergreens will do okay in shade but don't like wet soil. And I was thinking of hemlock at that time. They cannot take the uh, the wet soil, but they can take at least partial shade. And mm. will do fine in, in fairly heavy shade, actually. All right. Anything to add to that, Helen? No, I think that's the, probably the best choice in this area. Okay, very good. Thank you very much. All right, we're about to get a phone call. I'm thinking we've got somebody on the line. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead, Mary yeah, right. Well, I just wanted to say, you know, at this time of year, we talk about what we need to be doing right now. Um, time to mulch, yes? Uh, depends on what you're mulching. You could... Certainly mulch established beds of, you know, evergreens and trees and that sort of thing. And for goodness sakes, don't pile your mulch up against the base of your trees. That's what I was going to say. And (laughs) and, uh, so often people think mulch has to be added every year. And they just build up and build up and build up. And especially in perennial beds, uh, you can really get into problem if you put too much mulch around perennials. Uh, just need a light layer to maybe make it look a little bit better, but mm-hmm. don't don't pile it up. That's very important. That's what I was going to bring out too. And if you haven't done some pruning that needs doing, it's a lot easier to see what you're doing if you do it before the leaves are out all the way. Mm-hmm. However, you must not prune at this time of year your early flowering trees or shrubs because you'll cut off this year's bloom. Yep, you'll lose your flowers. Right. You, you do those right after they bloom, don't you, Don? Right. The only <coughs> ones that you can prune now are, are summer bloomers. And uh, plants that will flower during the summer uh, can be trimmed now. But you're right, the uh, the ones that bloom in the spring, wait till they finish their flower uh, before you trim them. Also, now, oh, also wait, wait to fertilize them until they, uh, they have finished their flower. Okay. All lightning right. round? Is it time yes, to lightning, lightning round? round. Ariana okay. was fielding calls as quickly as uh, she could, and we have Dennis first. Dennis? Hi. Um, I have a couple of black walnut trees in the back of my property, and um, I was wondering, are there any flowers or vegetables that love to grow near these walnut trees, or do I just need to cut them down? Well, there's. Uh, I know uh, Helen probably has, and we have a list of specific plants that will grow in that condition. Uh, I don't know them offhand, but we have them at the at the nursery uh, list of plants that will and will not work under walnut trees. Yeah, we've got a list at the greenhouse too. I, I can tell you, Euonymus does. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Most bulbs will do fine. Yeah. All right. We're going to the next caller, and it's Emily. Emily. Hello. Hey, go ahead, please. Well, I want to know how to pronounce my plant, and I also want to know about taking care of the older plants. I have a whole row of bushes that are W-E-I-G-E-L-E, and everybody pronounces it differently. And then they have a lot of, it looks like the roots are coming up on top of the soil in some of the older ones. And I want to know if I should cover them up or just is that the way the plant grows? Well, you're probably thinking of wagelia. Wagelia, okay. And uh, which is a flowering plant that will flower in late spring. (laughs) And you can put a little soil around the base of the plants if their stems are becoming exposed. It's, It's not a big deal either way, really. Okay, that helps a lot. Thank you. All right, thanks a lot for the call, Emily. And Ted is next. Ted? 
Hello. Uh, did you ever put the wrong plant in the wrong place? Uh, I got something called a miniature variegated willow, and it's turning out to be much too large for where I want to put it. Uh, can I move it? How should I take if, care of this? If you, do, if you want to move it, move it very soon. In other words, before it, it leaves out too much. And they can be moved. Uh, willow is, is very forgiving. So uh, you can probably go ahead and move it at this time, but it needs to be done as soon as possible. And also, if it's variegated and you want a lot of color, you need to cut it back severely almost every late winter so you get those new young growths that color beautifully. Yeah, the new growth is always the best. Okay, we have about one minute for our last caller, Tony. Tony? Uh, Yes, I have a couple of large dogs, and when they urinate in the yard, they leave big brown spots. Is there anything we can do for that? Well, that's one of those endless... uh, problems if if the dogs are going to be there you're probably going to going to still have the spots uh some fertilizing will help them to grow back somewhat but uh the spots will be there the 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 solution is not however to go to your neighbor's yard (laughs) (laughs) all right right. thanks tony thanks a lot for the call and we are out of time we we've had uh 14 callers and i don't know how many emails and the Spring Gardening Show is always one of the, the big hits of the season. Don Adamson, thank you for joining us this year. I hope thank you'll you. come back. Right, thank you. Right, And Helen May, it's always lovely to have you here. Thank you, Oz. Enjoy it. Yeah, people always learn a, a great deal uh, with the gardening show. And I know Mary Catherine looks forward to this. Oh, absolutely. I do, too. Oh, yeah. I'm just kidding. About it. I actually <laughs> like to do a little bit of this stuff. All right. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Ariana Prothero, uh, producer Daniel Robison, who actually had to sit in for a while because Ariana was so busy, and engineer John Shelton. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology, information at smithville.net.